Hello, I'm Niall Easton, and this is Fully Involved, a Unified Fire podcast. Today, we're going to be doing a check-in with the Emergency Management Division. So joining us, we have Division Chief Clint Meekham. Clint, how you doing? Good, Niall. Thanks for having us today. And uh, today, I uh, brought with me uh, Captain Chet Ellis. He's my operations officer. Uh, Tina Brown, she is my uh, JIC manager and PIO. And Valerie Greensides, who is our EM coordinator. Good to see you all. It's been a crazy year for a lot of different reasons. I thought we'd just touch base with you. Can you flash back to a year ago? You were right in the really explosion period. We'd gone through an earthquake. COVID had taken off. The restrictions had just gotten all set in place. What was life like for you guys? Well, I I mean, I'll let everybody else speak for themselves, but I know um, last year's at this time was pretty much a blur for me. You, you, you ask about all the different things that we did. And I just know there were a lot of people and a lot of things going on, but it's, it's a lot of it's a blur uh, because we were just that busy. It was crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say it was, it was interesting because we were involved in the transport of that first COVID patient here to Utah mm-hmm. and just seeing what we put into that, we created a whole IAP or incident action plan and just a whole show to get him from the airport in West Jordan to IMC. And it was a huge deal, obviously. Um, And to see how it evolved so quickly as cases rose and then we had all the other challenges thrown into it. uh, It's, it, it, it was crazy for sure. And I I remember, working with Chet that day in my office, putting that IAP together. And because COVID was such an unknown, I mean, it was like we were dealing with bubonic plague or something at that point. I mean, it was, it was a different environment than what people are used to now. And it was, I mean, it was full on complete isolation for this guy coming back from California. And, um, and, and then as things progressed, we got the earthquake, we were still learning about COVID. Now we had to try and deal with the earthquake issue while we were doing all the social distancing and the mask wearing and virtual meetings hadn't really caught on yet. So there was a lot of people still crowded together and um, yeah, it was, it was nuts taking all the precautions that we needed to take. I'd say it was one of the toughest years, but one of the best years for me personally. Um, Not only was I working on a pandemic for the first time in my life, but I was having my first baby ever. So being pregnant and having a baby during the pandemic and being locked down and that was really weird and unique, but it was physically exhausting and mentally exhausting. And I hope we never have to do that again. (laughs) Val, how about you? Yeah, I think it was um, really a good opportunity to start having being a civilian and not really having the um, experience of firefighting and stuff like that. It has been really um, a great opportunity to start learning all the tools you learn and all the mm-hmm. FEMA classes and all that. And it really starts coming together. And so learning this new phase of really what emergency management is combined with you got everything you've got to do has been um, really um, a great experience, but has definitely been exhausting for sure. <laughs> I bet. I mean, I know you guys, you train for just these kind of things. You train for earthquakes, you train for pandemics. Then the reality of one actually hits us both. How much was the training w- applicable, I guess, versus how much were you like, wait a second. And now this is real. We've got to adjust this, this, this. It it was interesting because nobody really anywhere in the world had been through a pandemic like, like we've been dealing with. 
because it's it's been years and years. I mean, most of the folks that went through the last one are are gone. So a lot of us that did have to rely on just our training and I don't want to say making it up on the fly, but in reality, that's what we were doing, mm-hmm. trying to figure out, okay, as it transitions from one patient to 10 to a hundred, and then it comes into the building, you know, how do we keep it out? And we're used to dealing with, like you said, earthquakes and training on short term or more incidents for hours or days or maybe a couple of weeks, but a year or more super challenging. So, uh, for me, that's all I had was the training because I didn't have the experience to, to deal with a pandemic and really what we're supposed to do, uh, especially Earthquake Day, definitely relying on the training that, and that we had established and the relationships and the emergency support function staff that we brought in. So it made Earthquake Day way easier than it could have been right. because we were organized. We were well-trained. We communicated well. And we so had that right kind of felt like, okay, we've got this. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have dealt I, with I, it. I was going to say it. that exact thing. I compared to the, compared to COVID and, and I don't want to downplay the earthquake, but the earthquake was easy by comparison yeah. because it's, it, it, we were kind of running home to something that we knew just like Chet said. Um, and we had, and it made it even easier because we already had most of the players that we needed we're already here for COVID and it was a, it was, it was a really fast pivot um, to deal with the things that we had to deal with. I mean, most people probably don't recognize we were 15 minutes away from initiating a, a an evacuation of 32,000 folks out of Magna. We were that close, but the team put it together that fast because everybody was here. It was something they knew they had the experience, they had the training and they were able to apply it very effectively. I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I was in the room when you, the mayor, and Chief Peterson had a map out, mm-hmm. and I took a quick picture. It's, I got to send it to you. It's a really great picture of you three pouring over this map, literally drawing where are we going to have to do this. And then, of course, we didn't have to. Thank goodness. Yeah, but exactly. I remember it was it was close. And even though, and 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 you know, we 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 dealt with the direct impact of the earthquake for about a week, ten days, but right about this time last year is about the time we were starting to get all the rumblings from across the country of all the civil unrest stuff too. So that was starting to spin up at the same time as we were dealing with all of this other stuff. It to to quote a movie line, it got right sporting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what going back to pandemic, um, looking back now with a year under your belt, you guys are pandemic experts. Um, I don't know if I'd go that far. What things worked and what, what didn't work? What would you do different. I mean, we're still in it, obviously, but I, I think now we're, you, you guys kind of got it, so to speak, unless there's some big uptick. Um, but what, what have you learned that could apply for the next time or if we get a big flare up and what things didn't work that you've kind of learned some lessons on? Well, for me, like Chet said, none of us had ever done a, done a pandemic before. I mean, health department, EM, nobody. Right. Um, what worked for me is those processes that we're always kind of stuck on. The processes actually worked even for something that we didn't have true experience with. Um, as far as lessons learned, there's, I mean, I could go on for hours and hours about lessons learned. There's, there's things that we could have done better. There's, there's actions that we could have um, 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 taken. There's um, we could have anticipated some problems or, or helped our, our health department partners or others anticipate some problems like the crash of their registration system. Um, the amount of 
of um, uh, people calling into their call center. And when that crashed for the first time, there's there's a lot of things I think we could have that the, the, for the next time. And whether it's a pandemic or something else, right. it, it provided some experience on, wow, this is this is where we really kind of fell short. But here's where we really did some pretty fantastic things, too. Again, I'll, I'll look at um, um, Chet and Captain Kay and Scotty McNeil out at the Maverick Center. Um, we've never done a, a vaccine operation before, right? Uh, but we took a lot of lessons learned from what we do for points of distribution. Like when we've been in hurricanes, handing out water and ice, mm, right. applied those. And these guys have an absolutely fantastic system that they're in charge of running over at the Maverick Center. It worked really, really well. Needed to bring in some health department people. Of course, it's their operation. They've got the experience with the actual handling of the vaccine and getting the shots in the arms mm-hmm. and stuff. But again, the processes worked. Mm. I I agree with that hundred percent. It's um, the processes in both incident command and also merging the health department and county government with ICS and what we do on a day to day basis. So we literally got teamed up with health department or county government staff. Like for me, it was Erin Litvak, the deputy mayor, and so she taught me the county government and the health department. And I taught her ICS and why we do what we do and the processes that go into it, forms, paperwork, meetings, all that. And it seemed like on every level, we we came together as those two kind of different groups and worked side by side uh, a ton. And it worked really, really well. Um, so those and those relationships, having those ahead of time was huge um, so that we already had a lot of that trust established. And I would say. You know, there's some a lot of smaller things that didn't work well, like the one that pops into my head was like our Web EOC system that we had, which works great on a small scale for isolated incident. But when we're talking pandemic where there is a ton where everybody's involved everywhere with tons of information, it just was not sufficient. So we ended up basically bypassing our Web EOC and not even using it really. And going to paper ICS forms and and kind of old school. Interesting. So, one of the other lessons for me, and I'll kind of pass this one to Tina, is just the public interface and the public information thing. I mean, I've always, when I was the department PIO, you always hear, hear the term "feed the beast" when it comes to the press, right? This thing took it to a whole new level, and and Tina was kind of in charge of um, of coordinating and steering even the even the mayor's um, um, information team down that path. So. Yeah, I still hear from a couple of reporters every single morning. They still like Ben Winslow, if you're listening, boxer team, <laughs> texts me every morning and says, what's up? Anything what's going, going on? on. Yeah. yeah. So we just got into that routine of um, here's what we're working on today because there's always something. And I think the at the beginning of the pandemic, we were saying that the message wasn't getting out there, that people shouldn't be stockpiling toilet paper and water and we shouldn't be wearing masks. And so we'd push really hard to get the messages out. And then we see there's an uptick in, you know, um, people changing their behavior. And then all of a sudden we're saying, now you're supposed to wear your masks. And then we see people change their behavior to start wearing masks. So I think our, our messages were really powerful. Um, maybe it's because we had the whole entire state and nation and country <laughs> echoing it. But um, I think we were pretty powerful. What we were telling people, they were listening. You're always going to have a few people that don't want to or resist. But I think for the most part, our messages were getting out there. People were hearing them loud and clear and it was working. So what helped 
Because sometimes when you're working with multi-agencies, there can be communication issues. And I'm sure there were, especially early on some. What helped bridge that to where you guys became kind of a, a team working on it with the county, with the health department? So I can start with that and everybody else chip in as you want. But this wasn't our first rodeo with the health department. Um, they had actually been over, over here a number of times interfacing with, with Tina and her facilities here with our call center and stuff a lot. When we had the hepatitis A outbreak, we had H1N1, we had a bunch of other of, of those kinds of things. So it wasn't necessarily the first rodeo with the health department. So we actually integrated fairly rapidly and fairly effectively with the health department um, because we had those relationships established. Um, Chet had done a, a great job in getting over in with the the mayor's group and the mayor's office and the deputy mayors and trying to and, and at least introducing them into this ICS system and the processes and stuff. So again, they knew it existed. And the fact that um, Mayor Wilson actually came to us and said, hey, we're going to start the governor just started this covid task force. We want to do something similar in Salt Lake County. But this seems like we should have you guys involved and you should structure it and help, help us with this ICS system so we can put some structure behind our counterpart to the state's task force spoke volumes to me about, hey, we have been effective in in creating those partnerships to to the left of boom, as we call it, you know, pre-incident. Um, and so I, I think that helped us a lot early on. Uh, we were able to step into this unified command type, type scenario where uh, unified command was Mayor Wilson, um, the executive director of the health department, Gary uh, Edwards, and myself. We were unified command for those first six, seven months, basically. And we were able to kind of help steer that machine. And everybody kind of understood the necessity of coordinating and, and to make sure that we weren't creating those silos of excellence that we, that we can get trapped in. So. Hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I I think the thing for me that helped the most in the coordination communication front is to be able to Mm co-locate here at the, at the ECC. So um, we have enough space. We already work here anyway. We're already familiar with the building. We were able to bring a lot of people in here. So a lot of it was done face to face or, you know, on, on zoom and the virtual thing. But, uh, while there was thousands of emails back and forth, really being able to have a central hub where we could communicate and coordinate face to face and talk and whiteboard stuff and everything like that. I think that was huge. Though I think now Val's to the point where she wishes we would have captured a few of those face-to-face conversations and emails and stuff like that, right? With the with the whole <laughs> documentation piece and the recovery piece on the FEMA side. Oh, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know at different points you ended up pulling in some of our own firefighters to to assist. How many at your peak did you have? And maybe who, who out, were Chet. some of those? I was just going to say we had eight or nine at our peak during wow. the earthquake, right? We had we had Nate, we had Captain K, we had uh, Ken Aldridge, Ken Aldridge, Captain Garfield's in uh, there, Plagueman, yeah, Plagueman's uh, in Dan there, Brown, Dan Brown assisted Scott McNeil, Sam Garfield, yeah, um, um, yeah. Patrick uh, Costin, yeah, yeah. LJ, oh, yeah. Um, Brad Jewett, Brad Jewett. yeah, Brad Jewett, we, yeah, we had quite a few UFA firefighters. Cameron Ascardi. I mean, involved we had in, maybe not all at the same time, but throughout the various tours, some people on light duty, some people pulled out of operations and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So we, that's basically how we manage the operations in general is it's split into categories. We call emergency support functions or ESF staff. So if you go in our ops room, you'll see the red pod is what we call it. It's that's where the, the firefighting hazmat search and rescue. We even had some USAR folks in. So the, 
basically the entire room and all those different ESF functions were staffed. The majority of the public safety ones were staffed with firefighters. We did have some UPD officers. Um, but yeah, with it, we were pretty much already had a group here that had already participated and trained in our processes ahead of time. So a lot of them were already here and involved. And then when earthquake happened and the hazmat, it, it made it super easy because we were literally all, almost all here. We had representatives already, from all yeah. of those groups and the administration and some of the, the ops chiefs and stuff came down from upstairs. We were all able to collaborate in the ops room and we even had a Murray firefighter over here operating out of the red pod there for a while too. Interesting. I mean, the support that we got from, from the County mayor's office, from UFA administration, from pretty much all over was pretty spectacular actually. And I mean, Tina was interfacing with, I mean, how many different organizations were you interfacing with it when you were dealing with all of this? It wasn't just us. No, I mean, it was probably 10 different agencies at once. And especially early on, I saw a lot of different PIOs in and out, yeah. helping out. And Val's still doing it on a, I mean, Chet, everybody's still doing it, but Val especially is doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. She's on the, you're on the phone every day with like mayor's finance and who else? Yeah, um, I'm integrated in with the uh, finance division and also logistics. So bouncing back and forth between the two groups is, yeah, really a good opportunity to yeah. learn and, and to understand really. Um, I think the biggest takeaway and tool that I've learned is you always need finance and logistics. <laughs> yes, <laughs> It's important. That's true. <laughs> well, let's talk this next year. I know we've all had our budget meetings. I'm sure you've had your preliminary budget meetings. So. Mm -hmm. What are you looking at for this next fiscal year and how, how do you, I mean, at some point, don't you get like a, a emergency fatigue from just being ramped up for so long? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, the budgetary piece is a, is an interesting conversation unto itself. So in the middle of COVID, because of the anticipated uh, revenue cuts that Salt Lake County was looking at, our budget got th cut by $375,000 a year. And that cut continues into next year. We probably won't get any of that back until January of 2022. So while we're in the middle of this fight, we're doing it with a reduced budget, which makes it real entertaining. Uh, I've got um, in our division, we've got a number of people that are that went over on their use or lose. And again, we got good support from the from the county and good support from the mayor or from our administration on let's let's let those folks be able to carry a bunch of those hours over and use them this year. So I've got uh, a handful of folks that not only we've got to get them out of here and start using their accrued vacations. So there's all of that stuff. And in the meantime, we're still dealing with COVID. We're still dealing with the recovery aspects of the earthquake and the windstorm. Um, the governor just declared a state of emergency for the state of Utah for a drought. So we've got a potentially interesting fire season coming up. Um, and at some point we've got to get back into kind of what Chet mentioned with the training and exercise piece that was so important for preparing mm -hmm. us for this. We've got to get back into that routine as we get different county level employees or different people on the UFA side or other organizations at the, at the state level or, at, or municipal level. We've got to get them all back integrated and we've got to get back into that quote unquote normal battle rhythm a little bit. So it's, it's not slowed down by any stretch. No. It, 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 the complexion has changed, but not the complexity. So how do you deal with battle fatigue, so to speak? Chet's <laughs> probably been in it longer than I a mean, lot it's, of it's, monsters it's and uh, Mountain Dew and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I try to just take it one day at a time. Um, you know, it's the whole thing has just gone in phases, right? I mean, for a while it's, 
we, we were earthquake centric and then it's get into the testing. Uh, now we're into the vaccination. I don't know if hopefully when va- vaccination starts winding down, we can kind of start wrapping this up. Uh, but then we're back into fire season and trying to rebuild our facility, restart training, uh, put our ops room just back together would be awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> looks like the earthquake is still going on in there with the hurricane. Cause <laughs> there it's, are it's, days. it's a mess. <laughs> there are days. We still have people, quite a few people operating out of this facility. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out how to prepare for the next one, but still allow that space because COVID is still ongoing. We're still in for the midst sure. of it. And yeah, you guys got a lot going on. It's what we do. I will say one of the things that um, I think that that has really come out that's a positive for me with this pandemic is the ability to be able to work from home on occasion. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when it just feels so overwhelming and you are hitting that fatigue point, it's really nice to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to sit and work at home today. And it helps give you just that calm space, at least for me, because I don't have babies at home. (laughs) Um, But it does. it, It really allows you to have that opportunity for a calm space and to be able to just really focus in. And so I have found that that has been a really good um, thing that has come out of this pandemic is we were all able to set up and really be able to work remotely. And that helps a ton from time to time to just be able to get out of the the rat race because as, as the EOC or ECC is still up and running and a lot of people in and out, that has given me an opportunity to just kind of step back and be able to catch your breath, a focus, little bit. catch your breath and then mm-hmm. come back to the race yep that's a good point it's nice to have a change of scenery you know so if we need to take a meeting on our our deck it's it's nice to be able to do that <laughs> and then come back in but chet's gonna slug y'all i don't think he's had that opportunity <laughs> <much> <laughs> right no not really but well, just i want to thank you guys for everything you've done this last year it's been interesting just to see the, the beehive of activity here and the, the ebbs and flows of that as we have things, the vaccination thing cranked up and suddenly it was a beehive again. And um, it's just, I know it's been a tough year for you. So thank you for everything you're doing. Final thoughts. Uh, I, again, it's been very much a team sport. I, um, I can't say enough about the EM staff in the division. I've got you know 10 folks working in the division and they have performed absolutely brilliantly. Um, again, the support we've gotten from the county, the support we've gotten from UFA, um, we, we, we stole bodies from operations. Um, they still made it work and were able to deliver the service that is absolutely critical to UFA out there at the same time supporting the mission we had in here. Um, I, I just can't say enough about the teamwork that has gone on to make this last year, um, as successful and as I won't say problem free, but problem minimal as we could make it. And I just can't say enough about the EM staff and, and the support and uh, everybody else that has just chipped in to deal with whatever gets thrown at us. Well, I know we'll be ready. So hopefully, though, this year things actually go down. You get a nice year of training and, and looking back and lessons learned, and we'll be ready for the big next thing. I know, knock on wood, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but really appreciate you guys joining us today. For Cam DeVogue, I'm Niall Easton, and this has been Fully Involved. Until next time. From the Salt Lake Valley, this has been Fully Involved. Follow Unified Fire on social media and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening.